Well, if I could add my uh, welcome and my happy Boxing Day greeting, uh, whatever the official one is, Jonathan, I'm not sure, but uh, happy Boxing Day, everyone. It's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you for, for joining here, and I hope you had a great day yesterday, uh, enjoying time with loved ones, remembering and celebrating the the great news of the Lord Jesus Christ come to be with us, God himself, Emmanuel. Uh, and you, as you may well know, uh, if you've been around uh, over our Advent season here, we've been focusing our time uh, through our Advent season on this wonderful verse from John 1.9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And we've been exploring how that true light is Jesus himself. And so over the last number of weeks, we've been thinking how that true light was coming. Uh, we looked at Isaiah 9 and John 1. We thought about how this true light evokes a response. As I said yesterday morning, when we compare the Magi with Herod, there's a response to this baby, this true light that was coming. This true light brings joy, as we saw as the angels announced to the shepherds. The shepherds rush into Bethlehem. Uh, this, this true light brings joy. And then yesterday morning, we considered how this true light is here. Uh, this true light has come as we looked at Simeon's wonderful song from Luke chapter 2. And this morning we're going to consider again uh, what this true light means for our lives as we move on from Christmas. And, and, I, and I don't mean that we haven't been thinking about that each of those weeks. Um, maybe particularly last Sunday, if you were here for our family service, you remember that uh, Susan ended up with gathering up all the wrapping paper and got the baby Jesus and said, what will we do with this baby? Will we pack him away for Christmas until next year again? Um, this, of course, is a wonderful story that is not just for Christmas time. Uh, but this morning, we're, we're going to think specifically about what difference this true light who came at Christmas makes in our lives. Uh, and particularly for those of us who have received him, for those of us who have chosen to follow him, what difference does this true light make? In other words, um, if I could put a title on it, we're going to see how this true light lives in us. Uh, and so if you have your Bible with me, and some of these references will appear on the screen as well, I'd encourage you to, to look in your own copy of God's Word if you have that with you. But we're going to look at John chapter 8, verse 12. Uh, it's a verse that we've looked at a number of times, or certainly referenced a number of times over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to spend just a little minute thinking of it, and then we're going to actually turn our attention uh, to the Gospel of Matthew. But uh, let's look at John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Uh, and so if we were in doubt that Jesus was this true light who was coming at the beginning of John's Gospel, this is Jesus himself declaring, I am the light of the world. He continues, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. He, he is the light that had dawned from Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 9. He is the true light that was coming, as John 1 had stated. He is the light that brings joy that the angels had declared to the shepherds. Jesus is the light of the world. He is God in human form sent to earth in order to save his people from their sins. And we're told that through Matthew 1. This is who Jesus is. This is why he came. Uh, we've said this time and time again over these weeks. Um, as I said yesterday morning, we can never bore of this story. And this is good news that causes great joy for all the people. But notice the, the shift that happens in John 8, 12. Jesus turns his attention not just to himself, and rightly so. Our attention is always fixated on him. But he turns his attention to his followers. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You see, 
the reality that Jesus is the light of the world has a direct impact on his followers. So because he is light, they will never walk in darkness. But they will have the light of life. And what I would love to do this morning is explore what that means. As his followers, to never walk in darkness and to live in the light of life. Uh, And many of us or some of us may well possibly understand a bigger picture metaphor that's going on within that language of never walking in darkness but having the light of life. Maybe you think of of the reality that if that darkness is sin and separation from God, then Jesus' light, his forgiveness, means that we will never walk in that sin again. His forgiveness is complete and final. And therefore our lives are transformed by his grace as we live in this world for him and through him, empowered by his spirit to worship him. That is what it means to never walk in darkness but have the light of life for this life and for all of eternity. And so there's a big picture metaphor going on, but, but, but we know from without scripture or throughout scripture uh, that there's, there's depth to that uh, and there's even more uh, indication through different passages which speaks of light and darkness as to what this means very practically for us in our day-to-day life, living in the reality of that big picture, uh, that we, if we choose to follow Jesus, we will never walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. So what does it mean then for us? That this true light now lives in us. As I said, there's a a couple of passages, particularly in the New Testament, that helps to speak of light and darkness. I just want to look at one of those passages this morning, and it's found in Matthew 5. And so could I encourage you to turn there? Again, it will appear on the screen, but if you have a copy of God's Word, please do look there. Matthew 5. We're going to just read three verses, 14, 15, and 16. So Matthew 5. What does it mean that this true light now lives in us? This is Jesus speaking. He's just begun the the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He's just, if if you've got a copy of God's Word there, you can see he's just been going through the Beatitudes. He's just talked about salt in verse 13 and then verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So so Jesus is the light of the world and he now tells his followers that they too are the light of the world. Remember he said in John 8, 12 that they would have the light of life. And so this means that, that to follow Jesus means to carry the life of Jesus with us. And to have an opportunity to show that light of Jesus to others that they interact with. This is the exciting life of a Christian disciple. Someone seeking to love and follow Jesus. That we carry his light and show and share his light. And and so we're going to think about these verses from Matthew 5 uh, in a few minutes. And I believe God has some exciting things to share with us this morning as he always does when we turn to his word. Um, but these verses, um, they're, they're, all, they're a little bit sentimental for me. If I can take you back five years ago, uh, it was my first full summer looking after the Scripture Union Camps and Missions Program. And this was our theme verse, Matthew 5:16. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, I, I tried to get very creative and we even made a, an eight-foot um, map of Northern Ireland and put a light where every camp or mission was going to take place. Uh, just as a side note for you guys here in Gilnahirk, this map was made in the top hall with Mark Bailey, who used to attend here. And so way before God had led us and as our family here, um, we had 
you know, damaged the floor up there trying to make this thing. Um, and, and so th- this was the story of our summer. Five years ago, we were sharing this wonderful verse. Um, one of the things that we used in that summer was a wonderful song to help teach this verse. And you know what I'm like with action songs. And so I was going to suggest that we do this this morning. I'm not sure we should now. Um, I'll play it, but we'll not do the actions. Is that right if we're comfortable enough? This is a song, and it is literally just this verse repeated. Uh, it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And the chorus then says, let your light so shine. Let your light shine. Let your light so shine. Matthew 5.16. It's a wonderful way to memorize scripture to songs. I don't, I don't know whether you guys remember this from, it'll come back to you, believe me. It's one of those songs that, that wonderfully gets stuck in your head. And so let's listen to this song. If you want afterwards, I can show you the actions and then you can sing it and show it all day long. Um, but let's hear this song, Let Your Light So Shine. It repeats and repeats till a glorious end. And so it's a wonderful verse. It's a wonderful song, but it's it's an incredible verse that we're told through Scripture that Jesus has said to his people uh, that we are the light of the world. If we choose to follow him, that he forgives our sins and we are living for him, then, then he says, you are the light of the world. So let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so for a brief, a brief few moments this morning, I just want to highlight four things that we can see from what Jesus is saying in this verse, um, or in these verses, sorry, about what it means to live then very practically as his light, as the light that he has for us. And so the four things that we'll see are identity, impact, instruction, and intention. So let's think firstly about identity. You see, Jesus is talking to his disciples, to those who follow him, and he declares, you are the light of the world. In verse 13, he had also said, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, there's no doubt displayed in Jesus' in Jesus's words here. For those who believe, he's stating a fact that they are salt and light. He doesn't suggest that you might be salt and light. He doesn't suggest that a select few are going to be salt and light. No, everyone who believes in Jesus and seeks to follow him is salt and light. You are salt and light. You are sent on mission by Jesus for Jesus when you choose to follow him. And so that means that all of us, however long we've been following Jesus, however Uh, whatever circumstances we might find ourselves in, we are all salt and light for Jesus Christ wherever we find ourselves. So in your form room, you're a a missionary for Jesus. In your sports club, in in your place of work, around your home, in the supermarket, everywhere we go, we are salt and light. 
And it's all for him. We're sent by him for him. You see, this isn't being sent by Jesus into the world in which he has placed us. It's not, it's not an optional extra for, for some of us who choose. You know, the, the really enthusiastic ones, the really passionate ones. No, we are all salt and light. It's our identity. As a follower of Jesus, you are salt and light. And, and I think that that can carry a challenge. But I also take incredible comfort for that, from that because it means that there, there is no special training course that sets you up as salt and light. That there is no kind of particular set of skills that you need to acquire before you become salt and light. No, Jesus says, you follow me, you are salt and light. He is at work in our hearts and in our lives and he has done great things in us and through us because he has rescued us from sin. And that is all that we need to be equipped to be his salt and his light. And so whatever Jesus has done or is doing in your life, that's the story you're to share. His story, his greatness, his goodness, his grace in your life. And so we're all capable of this. And I know it's daunting. I know it can be, it can be unnerving at times to share Jesus with those who don't know him yet. But this is who we are. Jesus doesn't say after you've completed a certain degree, after you've done all this extra study, after you've sat through you know, 27 small group resources. No, it's just as you are a follower of him, you are salt and light. It's our identity. It's who we are. And so perhaps there is a challenge in that to those of us who maybe do struggle, who find that daunting, who, who shrink in fear a little bit. Well, let's break out of that, not in our own strength, but in the reality that we are salt and light. We'll think about this in a minute, but Jesus explicitly says, don't hide your light under a bowl. No, put it on a stand. And so be, in, be challenged possibly, but be encouraged. Jesus has given you all he needs, all you need to speak of him because he's given you himself. We carry his light and the light of his life with us and in us. Secondly, let me, let me pick on those images that Jesus, has used, Jesus uses of salt and light. Uh, some of you may well be wondering why those images were chosen. Well, I think that at least that at least a possible reason is that those are two things in the world that are very noticeable, aren't they? You notice when your food is either too salty or not salty enough. Those of us who've chowed down on our body's weight worth of ham yesterday know what a salt tastes like. We know when a room is too dark. We know when the lights are even, what, three, four, five days after the solstice. We're already noticing a stretch in the days. We know salt and light, that they are, they are things that have a noticeable, tangible impact in the world around us. And so perhaps that's what one reason that Jesus chose these metaphors to look at. He's showing that his followers, those of us who are Christians, that, that the world should notice when we're present. And equally, the world should notice when we're absent. There's a void, there's darkness, and there's, there's a lack of flavor, if you want to put it that way, a lack of preserving the good. We should be having an impact on the world around us. And what kind of impact? Well, to think specifically about light this morning, we know that, that light is needed to remove darkness. You can't have light and darkness existing in the same place. And so we know, this is when I regret using a handheld mic and don't have two hands, now to fiddle with the paper. We know when there's, when there's a void of light. We know that we can't have light and darkness in the same place. But as Jesus has said, we are his light. And we are to not hide our light, but put it on a stand and let everyone in the house benefit from it. And it's amazing, isn't it, how 
how the tiniest little creak of light can break through darkness. We might be tempted to think that the darkness around us, that, that spiritual darkness of our world is too dark. Uh, maybe it's safer to hide our light away because it's just too dark. Jesus explains in verse 15, don't hide your light away. Stick it on a stand so that the whole house gets benefit of that light. The impact of light is felt by everyone. Light is always better than darkness. In Ephesians 5, it's another passage that speaks of light and darkness. And and there the Apostle Paul speaks of the, the fruitless deeds of darkness. And he compares those fruitless deeds with the fruit of light, which always consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Yes, the darkness might be daunting, but God's light that breaks through is good and right and true. And so followers of Jesus are light, and therefore the impact they are to have on the world should be noticeable. Driving away the darkness because it's God's light that's breaking through. And so our identity as salt and light, it shapes our impact. Because knowing that we are light, we then go and let that light shine. And that leads us to our third point, that instruction. Notice that Jesus says, let your light shine. This is a a command, an instruction. This isn't a suggestion. Again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, that challenge of we are called to be light, so let it shine. Don't hide it away. In the same way, Jesus had moved on from verse 15 where he said, in the same way someone puts a light on a stand that gives light to the whole house, so in the same way, let your light shine before others. Uh, and this picks up on something that we did mention, that we have a light, that, that, or sorry, that the impact that light has, we are to use it, we are to not hide it away, but let it shine. Jesus instructs, he commands his followers to let it shine. Let's be clear on something. Um, Jesus says, let your light shine. Um, But the light that shines isn't ours, really. In in the sense that it's not a light that we create or we sustain or that we can take credit for. Remember John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. In John 1, 4, we had read that in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So following Jesus is what brings light. In him alone is light, which is the life that he brings. So, so yes, we're, we're instructed to let our light shine. But ultimately, we're just reflectors of his more glorious light. The true light that was coming into the world. See, We only know light because of him. And we can only be light because of him. And so how do we let our light shine? If it's not ours to create, how do we then make sure that that our reflection is more true and more pure? Well, Well, we follow the true light more closely. We treasure our time with Jesus. and We we develop our love and affection for him. We, We read his word. We hear his voice. We speak regularly with him in prayer. These are, these are sometimes considered to be simple things in the life of the Christian, but they are fundamental things. So we open up ourselves to his leading because our relationship is so strong. And so then, that's how our light shines, because it's not our light, it's his light through us. It's his light through us that shines.
And as we've seen already, that, that light that shines will have a tangible impact on those we spend time with. And Jesus makes that clear too. This is not just a, an inward, theoretical, personal thing where we develop a wonderful relationship with the Lord for our own benefit. No, that light shines and it shines through our good deeds is what Jesus says here in verse 16. Jesus calls these good deeds that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as you let your light shine, that automatically works itself out in good deeds. See, our good deeds will be visible to others and they are an outworking of Christ's light shining in and through us. We've said this many times before, but this is not good deeds in terms of religious observance or in terms of somehow trying to prove ourselves to God in some way. No, this is the natural outworking of grace. It's grace that leads us to action. Because the more that we uh, allow ourselves to be molded by him, as we invest in our relationship with him, as we, in a sense, uh, clean off that mirror of all of our old sin and stain, as we treasure that relationship with him and his light shines through us more clearly, then our actions will be more like his. And his, as we've already seen, are good and right and true. And so, as we invest in that relationship with him, as we give him more of ourselves, as we allow him to to take more of that lordship over our whole lives, then our compassion will increase, our, our generosity will flow, our love and our care and our patience. These are all things that are marked as fruit of the Spirit. As, as all of that grows within us, it flows out to those around us. And so we're letting our light shine. We're, people are seeing our good deeds, but these aren't things that we have conjured up. No, they're an outworking of his work within us. And that's why he receives the glory. And that's our final point, isn't it? That as we, as we live in our identity, rightly so, as we have this impact that he is calling us to have as his work through us, as we see that and follow that instruction to let our light shine, we do all of that with the intention at the end of verse 16, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's, that's why we shine our light with our friends and our family that we spend time with. It's, it's so that those people, it's not that they think that we're great, but that it's that they get a glimpse of our great God at work in our lives, fueling these wonderful good deeds. That's our intention. And so it's not that we do these good things to, to hope that it's enough or hope that it's good enough for us to, to continue or to get on or to receive God's love. No, that has been done. This is not good deeds in order to somehow earn brownie points with Jesus. No, it's so that God gets glory. He is at work in our lives. People see our good deeds and they wonder why and they glorify our Father in heaven. See, God is the one who created this world. He created you and me in his image. He was willing to lay down his son that we might be restored in relationship with him. He is the one who gifts us with his spirit to live the life that he's called us to. He is the one that shines this light through us. So it is right and fitting that he gets glory. So, so pointing people to him is the reason we do what we do. It's the reason we follow Jesus. It is all about him. It's never about us. That's why we live out our identity having an impact for him on our world around us, following his instruction to be courageous and faithful and all with the intention of giving God as much glory as we can point his way. 
And so as we head towards the end of another year, uh, maybe some of us are already beginning to pack away some of those Christmas decorations. Let's remember the joy of the true light who was coming into the world. Let's remember that because he came, we can then know his light, that light of life. And indeed his life can live in us. And in response, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. May he indeed receive all the praise and honor and glory for his wonderful work through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. Uh, as, we, as we reflect on not just the, the, the Christmas nativity story, but as we reflect on the teaching of all of your scripture, we see, Father, your power, your might, your sovereignty. And Father, we recognize, therefore, our need for you. We, we, we want to, to try to live a good life. We want to be good people. But Father, ultimately, we know how much we need you. And so thank you that you came. God with us, Emmanuel. And you came in order to save your people from their sins. And so I thank you and I praise you that you came and you came to die. And in dying, you took the penalty of sin. And in rising from death, you showed your victory and the life eternal that you've called us to. And so for those of us who have chosen to follow you, to surrender our lives to you and to, to, to recognize you as not only our Savior, but our Lord. Father, I pray that you would equip us for this season, for the new year, for our whole lives, Father, to let our light shine before others. Not for any glory for ourselves, Father, but that through our good deeds they may see you and glorify you. Help us, Father, not to hide our light away. And we recognize that we live in a world that is, that is in, in some ways more difficult to let that light shine. But we also recognize, Father, that we live in days that are dark. And so your light will break through and will seem even more glorious amidst the darkness. So help us, Father. Equip us. Not just to finish this year well, but also, Father, to, to more fully surrender ourselves to you so that you indeed receive all the glory that you deserve we thank you we praise you we want our lives to count for your glory and so would you move in us and among us we pray amen